All right, so we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and notice in verse 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I have baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And tonight I'm continuing the series on perverse disputings. And the title tonight is Unnecessary Unions. Okay, Unnecessary Unions. Now, in this passage, he's been talking about divisions. He's calling them out for their divisions. Now, but here's what we need to understand about the divisions. These divisions were in a church. It was in the Corinthian church. When Paul was calling them out for their divisions that they had in their church, he was not calling out divisions amongst all the churches. He wasn't saying, hey, why is it y'all aren't all unified with the church in Ephesus and with the church in Thyatira or whatever? He said, no, the, the problem that they had, it was the division in their own church, in their own congregation. And as a church, we have been called to be united. We should be united as a church, and that is very important. But at the same time, a lot of people would use, uh, they'll use this verse where it talks about I'm of Paul and I'm of Paul and all that, and they will talk about how bad the divisions are in the religious world. Okay, but And in fact, the IFB, one of the things it's known for is for division. Okay, We fight about everything, don't we? I mean, that's just kind of what we do. In fact, uh, you know, the IFB forefather, founder, whatever you want to call it, if it has one, people would, most people would agree it was J. Frank Norris. Well, you study the life of J. Frank Norris, one of the things he did is he pretty much split the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, and so we were kind of born from a split, you could say, and a lot of people have a big problem with that. And, you know, it's like, you guys fight too much, you're always fighting about everything, and listen, if we want to fight, we've got magic verses to justify our fights and our divisions, don't we? I came not to send peace, but a sword. we got a verse. Okay? But, and, and listen, there, are, there is no doubt there are some things that we should separate over. No doubt about it at all. Uh, but there are also things we shouldn't separate over. And what's funny, in the IFB world, so uh, a few years back, uh, many of you probably wouldn't know who he is, but a uh, pretty well-known pastor of a large church, Pastor R.B. Ouellette, he wrote a book called Unnecessary Divisions and he sent them out to churches all over. I got one. I read the book and, you know, I agreed with a lot of stuff and there's a lot of good things in there. But, you know, I'll, I'll just be honest. I read it and I kind of thought, eh, I don't think he's really being hard enough, you know. In my opinion, some of this stuff he's talking about, I think we should fight with these other churches over it, you know. But he was somebody who was a little more willing to unite than I am. Okay, and then, and so after he wrote that book on necessary divisions, and it wasn't a bad book, there's a lot of good stuff in there, uh, Dennis Coral wrote a book called Necessary Divisions. And, uh, cause Dennis Coral definitely didn't think that, you know, yeah, he wanted to divide over enough things. And, and, you know, honestly, I read both the books. I tend to agree with Dennis Coral's book a little more, uh, you know, than R.V. Ouellette's book. But at the end of the day, most people would look at that and they would say, man, those, those two guys are way too much alike. They shouldn't be fighting over these things. I mean, these guys are brothers. You know, we need more unity. And so they will. They'll look at these groups and they'll look at all these different groups in the IFB and say, you know, why are they always splitting? Why is there all this, you know, uh, lack of harmony? But here, here, here's the thing about that too. You know, they're like, why are they separating over these tertiary issues? You know, I mean, we've, we've got, you know, the things that we, you know, the fundamentals that, you know, we keep limiting what those actually are, you know. We shouldn't be, you know, splitting over secondary issues and things like that. But at the end of the day, if we got 10 different IFB preachers and said, write down a list of things we should split over and things we shouldn't split over, none of those lists are going to agree with each other. It's just, it's not going to happen. 
None of them are going to be the same. But here's the thing, you know, when it comes to churches that we fellowship with, okay, where people draw the line on who they will fellowship with, it's not going to be the same for any two pastors. It's just, it's not. And then, you know, and so the thing is, you know, I've got people that I would never fellowship with, you know, but then I've got other people I would fellowship with that other pastors that I fellowship with wouldn't fellowship with those guys. And it's like, you know, why can't we just all just give each other a hug and get along? You know, why can't we just do that? And, you know, why do we have to have all this division? This is carnal. You're like the Corinthians. But actually, nowhere not, because the problem that we have today is not that there is unnecessary division, but we have unnecessary unions. We are calling people to unite in groups and organizations that God never ordained that God never called for. And so the reason we're having all these splits or whatever you call it is because these things just aren't legitimate. Okay? The the IFB is not a thing. Do you understand that? It shouldn't be a thing. Oh, it's a thing. You know, y'all you know, no, it's not, okay? God ordained local churches. And y'all understand that there is nothing above that local church. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. And that means there is not another spiritual organization that is out there that is above this church. It's not there. So if all of a sudden a group forms, you understand that's not legitimate. Now, understand, it is going to be natural that we are going to fellowship with some people. That we are going to be close to churches that are more like ours. That's normal. That's natural. That's fine. But when we start becoming a thing, when we start becoming an organization, all of a sudden, we have now gotten out of line. And whatever organization that we have come up with, other than a church, chances are it's going to fall apart at some point because it's just not biblical. It's not what God intended. And when that happens, that is not us creating an unnecessary division. The problem is there was an unnecessary union that was formed that never should have been formed. And it was doomed to fail. And so, I want us to look at a lot of these unions that we are forming today that are illegitimate because most of the fighting, most of the disputes that we are seeing going on in churches today are based on unions that never should have happened. Therefore, the argument shouldn't be taking place. And because we have created these things that are not legit, we have created problems that just should have never happened. And so the solution is not let's just all cast aside doctrine and let's just all get along with heretics and let's just all get along with each other. No, the solution is for us to get back to just doing what we're supposed to do and focus on our own church and mind our own business and fellowship with whoever we feel like fellowshipping with. And it's up to us as a church to decide who we're going to fellowship with And if all of a sudden anybody else feels that they have some kind of say in things, they have gotten out of line. And especially if it works, especially if it influences us. And it is, it's a sad thing and it's, and it's the way it is in the IFB. And I don't believe the problem that we're seeing with a lot of the fighting that goes on in the IFB world. It's unnecessary division. I think the problem is unnecessary unions. We have united in areas where we had no right to unite. We have formed alliances. We have formed things that are not biblical, that are not legit. And so there's going to be problems when that happens. And so Paul, in 1 Corinthians 1, the, the division that he's dealing with, it's in an individual church. When that starts to happen, we have a problem. Okay, We have a problem. But if we're not necessarily in total agreement with another church somewhere... Oh well. Oh well, it's it's not really that big of a deal. So the problem this church had too, because he said, you know, some are saying I'm of Paul, others I am Apollos. What was going on, these people were uniting under banners that never should have been made. He said, Hey, were you baptized in my name? No, you're baptized in the name of Christ. Who's made who made this Paul banner? Who made this Apollos banner? There's no place for that. 
in the church. And let me tell you something. I, I'm not against calling ourselves IFB or something to identify our doctrine. But let me tell you something. When it becomes a banner that we have bound ourselves to, to where we're not able to do what we feel we should do as a church, where the, you know, being a part of an IFB or the new IFB or some groups starts to affect the work that we're supposed to do, we have gotten out of line. When we start being more about promoting the IFB or promoting the new IFB than promoting Jesus Christ, we've gotten out of line. And let me tell you something. If we start having problems in this church because we've got one group, you know, that's thinking more about, you know, we should be more IFB. I think we should be more new IFB. We've gotten out of line because those banners have no place in the Christian world. I don't see those things in the Bible. And so if we're having, in our church, having divisions because of that, we've got a problem. If we're have, if there's people out there, well, you know what, I, I don't like your associations in this area, you can't be in our group, and you know, and some trendy's gonna see that, well man, we should just all get along. Well, you know, we don't have to. Did you know another church cannot like us and still be a good church? And they could not want to have anything to do with our church and still be a good church? That's very possible. Sometimes we're just not going to click with some people. And let me tell you something. You know, I think, you know, I am a guy who likes unity, getting along with people. I, you know, but the problem is the IFB has become very tribal. And because of certain people that I would have preached for me or I'll preach for them, other people don't want to come here and preach. I would have more of a variety and I, and I hope you all don't have a problem with this. I would have more of a variety of preachers come through here if they would do it. But the problem is they're from the IFB and they have formed unnecessary unions. And if they came here, you know, we're a church that's known for some things that aren't supposed to be in the IFB. Well, you know, like we're not supporting Israel right now when they're under attack. You know, a lot of people are going to say, I, I, I can't go to that church. Why? You know me. You know our church. You know we're good people. But they're scared to death of what their brethren might think if they see their name on our YouTube channel. Well, you know, I'm sorry you created that union somewhere and you're missing out. You know, I, I think, I think people who don't fellowship with us are missing out. I, I really do. Because I think we're an awesome group and we're pretty cool people. And uh, I would want to be aligned with us. <laughs> but at the same time, but at the same time, they don't have to. They don't, they don't have to. And if, if people don't want to fellowship with us, that's fine. Let them go do their thing. We're not trying to, you know, form a group and an alliance. Because if we do, it's illegitimate and it will fall apart. Because it's not biblical, it's not right. So, uh, when Paul, you know, and, and notice how in this passage, Paul, he didn't deal with what it meant to be a Paul or what it meant to be Apollos. Because obviously there were differences in these guys because of the divisions that were being formed there. He just made it clear that none of those guys were worthy of having a group. Since it was Christ that died for them and they were only ministers. These people were all saved, therefore they should have been united around Christ. Not around Paul, Apollos, or Cephas, or something like that. So, what I want to do tonight, I want to talk about some unnecessary unions that's ended up causing division. Okay, There is division out there right now in the IFB world, but it's not because the IFB is bad for dividing. It's because the IFB got out of line when they created unions that shouldn't exist. Illegitimate groups. And the first one I want to point out and we and I recently have seen some talk about this in the Twitter world in the IFB, and that's racial groups. Okay, racial groups. Yeah, I, saw, I saw a tweet the other day where a guy he said, you know, tweets out to all his white IFB brethren asking how many of them have had three or more black preachers come and preach for them. And and the, and the same guy too was talking about how there's only like 150 black churches. IFB churches in America. Well, let me tell you, those 150 guys are going to be pretty popular if all of us have to have at least three or more 
come and preach for us because we're all going to be going at, you know, when you consider how many IFB churches there are and all of us have to make sure we get three or four of those guys here, they're all, they're all going to be so busy. We know why there's not that many IFB churches because they're neglecting their church, preaching out everywhere all the time. So the white guys don't have to feel guilty <laughs> for not having enough black guys come preach for them. Well, and, and, and that, so here's the, th- here's the problem. You know, why can't the black preachers and the white preachers all get along? Well, why are there white IFB preachers and black IFB preachers? How did that become a thing? How did that become, how did that become a group? Okay, listen, you can't have division if there's not a, a unity somewhere that should have never started. And we never should, there shouldn't be a group of black IFB preachers out there there, should, there shouldn't be a group of white IFB preachers out there. It should just be preachers. It should be churches. Okay? And again, IFB is only just an identifier of our doctrine. Again, that it, it kind of is sometimes a thing in a denomination, but it shouldn't be. It's only an identifier. So people can have an idea of what they're in for. We had a family that came and visited us today. They just searched. For an IFB church, it was King James only because they were staying here in Rock Falls while traveling, and boom, that's what you know. We were one, and so they weren't shocked and horrified by anything they saw when they came in here today because they had a pretty good idea of what they were in for when they saw when they saw some of those things, and that's fine to do that. But what there should think about how foolish this is. Let's look at a few passages here to show how foolish it is to talk about. White IFB preachers and black IFB preachers and call for the unity among them. There shouldn't be those groups. And look what it says in Acts 17.26, And he hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God sees us all as one blood. And you know what? We all got Adam's blood. And because of that, we're all sinners. We all need the same Savior. And then when we get saved, we are all one in Christ. Where there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. But we've got even Baptist preachers today talking about white Christians and the black Christians and the Latino Christians and all these different groups. It shouldn't be a thing. Okay? There... They're the ones that have created the division, you could say, by forming these groups of black Christians and white Christians. It should be Christians. And so people are calling for all these different groups and all these churches to unite. Well, you know, in some areas, if you're in a predominantly black area, you're going to have a predominantly black church. And that church is its own church. If you're in a predominantly white area, it's going to be predominantly white. It's its own church. We have not been called to unite with other churches and form alliances and groups. So, at the end of the day, everybody just needs to do their own thing. And I don't need to be worried about getting a certain quota of black preachers to come through here so I can prove to people I'm not racist. That, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. Romans 10.11 says, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what we unify around here? You know what we focus on is, are you of Christ? And it shouldn't be, well, I'm white and I'm of Christ. Irrelevant! Are you of Christ? I mean, you hear preachers too, they get up and they brag about how racially diverse their church is. And you know what? I mean, that's great, but at the same time, why are you pointing it out? Why, why do you even feel the need to do that? That, you know, it should just be natural, you know, if you're in an area like that and, you know, we're all the same doctrinally, but it's like they act like we're more unified because we've got all these different groups in our church. Well, where did those groups come from? Because they didn't come from the Bible. Okay? The Bible says, we're all one. There is no difference with God. We see in Colossians 3.10, it says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. And let me tell you, it makes sense that our world does this type of foolishness, but Christians should not do it. Okay, Our world is going to keep doing this junk. 
our world, our country, that's supposed to be one nation under God, is going to keep doing this thing every election. This many blacks vote for Democrats, this many whites, and this many women. And they always are forming all these groups. And then they start talking about, why do we have so much division in our country? How about we ignore those numbers? I believe that would help more than anything. If we didn't have a clue how many, you know, what percentage of black people voted for what party. But you know why they bring that stuff up? Because they're trying to tell you, hey, if you're black, you're supposed to be voting Democrat. And if you're white, you're supposed to be voting Republican because you're a racist. That's what they're doing. They're, they're adding to the division. When we just shouldn't know. The, what it shouldn't come down to is how many votes did they get? But yet, they constantly bring these things up, just fueling the fire. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 3. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with meat, for hitherto ye are not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. Okay, now why are they babes? Why are they carnal? There's a lot of things that you know could reveal whether a person is a babe in Christ or carnal. There's many things that could reveal that. But what specifically was Paul talking about that made him call them a bunch of babies and carnal? You know what it was? It was the divisions. It says, uh, whereas there among you envying strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? What were they doing to act like babies? Well, one of them said, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So Christians, we're not supposed to be doing that. There should not be groups forming in this church of I'm a Paul, I'm a Apollos, or I'm whatever. That shouldn't happen. We are one church here. We are one church. But, and we have been called to be united. But we've not been called to be united with the church next door. And we've not been called to be united with the IFB church in the next town. Okay? We've not been, we've not been called to do that. We may just happen to be very united with them because we have a lot in common. Doctrinally, we get along with them. We do a lot of things the same. And so naturally, we're going to gravitate towards people like that and want to fellowship with them more. But at the end of the day, we've not been called to form any alliance. And whenever we start doing that, what's going to happen, divisions are going to come. But that's because it's a it's an illegitimate group. So understand, when an illegitimate group is formed and it splits and it falls apart, the cause of Christ hasn't been hurt. Okay? That's not an unnecessary division. No, the problem was an unnecessary union. You know, there's, I've talked to people out there too that are like, oh, you know, I don't like how the, you know, the new IFB is divided and everybody's not getting along and, you know, I, I miss all the unity and everything. Well, you know, here, here's the thing, and, you know, it's, it's all falling apart. Well, here's the thing. All the churches seem to be doing pretty good. The individual churches are doing just fine. Now, the group, the online community, you know, they might be duking it out and not getting along with each other. That's so carnal. That's so much division. Well, here, here's the thing. You know, there wasn't supposed to be a new IFB. That, that's not... And, and I get it. Not all people mean the same thing when they talk about the new IFB. It's the same thing as IFB. It's just an identifier. It's an identifier of certain doctrine. And yes, when it comes to the doctrines, of course, you know, we, we line up with those things. But here's, here's where the problem is. You've got goofballs out there. You've got clowns out there. Most of them who don't even go to any of the churches who feel like because they're a part of the online community that attacks people that they have some say in what we do in this church. And then that's where I look at these people and I think, you're insane. You know, when we have people that don't, and I, I can start naming some of these online people who don't even go to any new IFB church and yet they feel like they have some say and they have about who I have come preach here. Well, wait a minute. I thought that preacher had a falling out with this other preacher. Okay, so... uh division took place where there wasn't necessarily had to be a union that God called for. I'm still friends with that person. You know, I, how do these, you know, the one guy too, he was talking about, you know, I don't understand these preachers who pretend to be a part of the new IFB and have these different guys in. 
I'm not pretending anything, folks. We are an independent church. And again, the only reason there's not a little more diversity behind this pulpit, and I'm not talking racially, but I'm talking about as personalities, groups, camps, whatever you want to call it, is because too many IFB preachers are way too involved in politics. And so they're, they're, they don't really want to come here. And you know what? I don't hold it against them. You know, that's fine. But at the same time, if you all think this is just a new IFV church that's only going to have new IFV approved pastors come preach in this pulpit, you might want to go to a different church because I'm going to, you know, we're going to shock you some days. We might have some people in here that, you know, disagree with us on some things, but they're good people and they have a lot that I think we could gain from and that I, that I want their influence because I feel like they're really good in certain areas. And there might be somebody online there online they're going to get their nose tweaked because this this does not compute does not compute. This is not the way this other pastor would do something. Well, you know what? I hope you fry your motherboard in your brain and you know you can go suck an egg and drop dead. I don't care what you think. Okay, there's only one group that I'm accountable to and that's you all. If I do something questionable, okay, I only need to answer to you. If what I'm doing is questionable to you, then, you know, by all means, bring it to me. Let's talk about it. I should be able to do that. But if I do something that's questionable to the online world, they can go suck an egg and drop dead. That, that, that's all there is to it. And I, and I love a lot of our online people and the people who support us and encourage us. And uh, they're a blessing. But at, at the end of the day, I didn't set out to start an online group and to build a YouTube channel. You know, we're trying to build a church. And, and the YouTube, it's a great tool that we can use. And, I, you know, we're going to continue using that type of thing. And, and, uh, and the other churches that are out there that do things a little bit different than us, they're not my enemies. You know, they're, and if, and sometimes, I mean, any church that's, I, you know why I pastor this church the way I do? Because it's the way I believe it ought to be done. Other pastors often do things different in their church. And you know what? I wouldn't do it that way. But I'm not pastor of that church. And it's not my problem. And I don't want to make it my problem. And it's real easy to get caught up in stuff like that. When you, when you get in groups. And sometimes too, you do, you just get a little too close. It's easy to do. It's easy to get caught up into. And when something that's happening in one church on one side of the country is affecting what's happening in another church on another side of the country, you know what? We've gotten too close. We've gotten out of line. And that should not be and a lot of you know, and I, I think a lot of people enjoy when all the churches are all preaching against the same person or whatever, all hammering them. But I, th- I think we've gotten a little too united when we're doing that. Right? And yeah, you know, Pastor, everybody's been nailing this guy's hide to the wall. Why aren't you nailing the side of the wall? Because I don't want to look like a part of you know stinking denomination. You know, and at the same time, it doesn't affect our church. You know, yeah, it would help our YouTube views. You know, but. Do I really want to waste my time promoting that when I'm trying to promote a church? I mean, what what good is that going to do? You know, especially all the visitors we have often in here, like all the visitors we had this morning, if I'm up here and I'm preaching against some other person, that a big chunk of our people don't even know who that is. How is that edifying? You know, and then, you know, and so we got to watch out for this stuff. This is This is dangerous stuff. And so people will look at some of the division and say, what is happening? I tell you what's happening. God's just making all of us better because we weren't supposed to be that way in the first place. And you know what everybody needs to do? They need to go do their thing. Everybody just needs to do their thing. And, you know, and, and maybe some of the pastors in the new IFB, they just probably aren't going to jive together real well. And so they shouldn't be together that much. But at the same time, it doesn't, you know, I don't have to go and if I don't get along real well with one, I got to go get all the other ones and say, hey, I don't like this guy. You shouldn't like him either. Why, why would I do something like that? I'm not, I'm not trying to form a group. At least I shouldn't be. So we got to watch out for this. And so, you know, this, this type of thing, it is, it is out of line. And look at what it says. Look, look at verse four again. So we've got these racial groups, completely unnecessary, shouldn't exist. I kind of you know, went into the next point. But notice how Paul said, For one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulus. Are ye not carnal groups named after men other than Christ? 
Okay? Now, no man goes out there and names a group after himself. They don't try to do that. You know who does that? You want to know who came up with Ruckmanites? It probably wasn't Peter Ruckman. Okay? You, know, you know who came up with Andersonites? It wasn't Pastor Anderson. It was enemies. Okay? Now, here's why people do this. Because, again, in perverse disputings, the whole point is, I don't have a good argument. I don't have a good dispute. So I'm going to resort to stupid arguments that are irrelevant. And so what people do whenever you want to maybe argue with them or discuss something with them where there's a doctrinal difference, you know what they want to do? They want to stamp a label on your forehead. And it just happened to me the other day where a guy's uh, on Twitter and he's talking about, you know, there's no way you can have the Antichrist being revealed before the rapture according to 2 Thessalonians 2. And I'm just thinking, what? <laughs> That's our go-to passage. It flat out says that day shall not come. So it'll be falling away and the man of sin be revealed. The son of I mean, I, you know, and so I said something on there and he's like, you know, what scriptures do you use? And I, li- I listed three references. You know, Matthew 24, uh, and then, you know, 2 Thessalonians 2, Revelation 7. Oh, so you believe like Anderson. What he immediately said. Did, did Anderson write those? <laughs> did Anderson write those passages? Okay, now, now why did he do that? Because in his group, that name's a bad name. But at the same time, even if it was a bad name, that doesn't change the fact I didn't quote him. He didn't write those passages. I mean, I can't help it if he's right on that stuff. You know, it's like when people want to call you a Ruckmanite because you believe the King James Bible. I don't even like Ruckman. But at the same time, they do this type of thing because they are carnal and they form these groups. They don't see, you know, people as individuals. They don't see churches as local church. They identify groups, preachers with the Bible college they went to. There's always some man behind it. And whatever you do, whenever you get around a bunch of Baptist preachers, they do. They want to ask what Bible college you go to. They want to find out what preachers you fellowship with because they're trying to figure out your group. That's how they figure out who you are. You know, and I, I you know, I go to the Sammy Allen camp meeting. All right, you know, that, that tells them what they need to know about you. You know, and, Folks, that's wrong. There shouldn't be a camp meeting crowd. You know, there shouldn't be, you know, Andersonites and Ruckmanites and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and and not too many people claimed, you know, a lot of Ruckmanites have embraced being called Ruckmanites. You know, not too many people have embraced the Andersonite thing. Some have and later regretted it. But at the same time, (laughs) you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. That's out of line. We weren't baptized in the name of Anderson. Baptized in the name of Christ. And if we just happen to agree with somebody, we happen to get along with somebody, like somebody, that's fine. By all means, do that. But we can't form a group. That is out of line. That is illegitimate. That is not something that God ordained. And so we do. And we're constantly hearing about these different groups splitting and everybody pulls their hair out and they're like, oh, this is so sad. This is such a shame. Why can't we be united? Why did we have that group? That group was illegitimate. It never should have happened. So, our foundation is supposed to be the Word of God and it's supposed to be Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Ephesians 2, verse 19. It says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God and are built upon... He's talking to a church here. He's talking to the Ephesians. He says, your church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Now understand, our church is not built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and the Ephesian church and the Corinthian church. No, our foundation is the same as their foundation. You know why? Because it was the apostles and prophets that wrote this book that we have. And we are built upon that. We are not built upon another group. We are not built upon a Bible college. And let me tell you, a lot of Bible colleges, they have, they've kind of become these like Meccas. And the, and the you know, Bible college president has become like a pope and a lot of places. And what ends up happening, it ends up ruining a lot of churches because a lot of these guys will follow that guy off a cliff. Where if they actually sent out independent guys 
then they would have remained independent. If their foundation would have been the Scriptures and they knew how to go to the Scriptures to figure out what they believe instead of just following a movement and following a group, then you know what? Whenever that one guy fell apart, if the foundation wasn't that Bible college and that man, that other church would keep going. But what is it we constantly see? One guy falls and he takes a whole bunch of people down with him. You know why? Because he was a part of their foundation. That is not appropriate. That is not right. And so understand, if a group is formed, centered around an individual, it will probably follow, fall apart eventually because it's not legitimate. And when it falls apart, it's not a bad thing. It's probably a good thing. In fact, more will probably get accomplished because now they've taken something out of the way that was never supposed to be there to where they're actually now free to follow Christ. So, we don't need to lament these things when they happen. It's just, we should say, you know what? That union just shouldn't have taken place. That, that's, what we, that's what we should be saying. This isn't a bad thing. And again, so the, the churches, the, you know, that I, from what I'm seeing, you know, most of the churches that we fellowship with are doing fine. You know, they're growing, our church is growing. Everything's fine. You know, so maybe there's not as much unity in the online world. Oh well, we've not been called to have unity there. We've been called to have unity here. So as long as we're okay here, then everything's okay. As long as they're okay over in their place, everything's okay. That, that's, that's what we've got to understand. And so there's nothing wrong with fellowship. It's a good thing. But it is possible to become too connected to where it becomes a distraction. And here's another thing too you got to understand. There are many levels of fellowship that you can have with someone. You all understand that? So for example, there are preachers that I would have come preach here and wouldn't have any problem with it. I'd let them preach for me while I was gone, fill the pulpit. And you know that's a, that's a, a level of fellowship there. There's other preachers. I like them. I get along with them. But I probably wouldn't have them come here and preach. You know, there's some differences that, you know, I, I think are important. And I've not been called to see how many different pastors I can get come preach for me. But I can still have some kind of fellowship with them. You know, there are some people, I mean, I would never, you know, consider, I probably wouldn't even go to their church. But I'd go to dinner with them. You know, I'd have a conversation with them. You know, I've got people that are kind of friends that I think are heretics. <laughs> you know, but you know, it's because sometimes too they're family. You know, sometimes sometimes they're family or they're friends or people you have background with. Maybe people you're trying to influence, you're trying to help. You know, because it's one thing too if a guy goes from what we were to a Calvinist, but there's a difference between that guy and somebody who is always a Calvinist. And maybe I'm trying to get him to not be a Calvinist. So there's all different levels of fellowship. And so there's somebody, again, it's one thing if I have them come preach here. That says a lot if I let them stand behind the pulpit. But, you know, if I go, if I go preach for them, that doesn't say as much because I would, I would preach for probably just about anybody that would let me get behind their pulpit. That doesn't mean I endorse everything they're doing. But also if you see me out having dinner with another guy, that's not me endorsing them either. You know, and, and what ends up happening is because of the online community, all of a sudden it kind of brings people together and it causes people, again, who are not part of this church to feel like they are a part of something here and like have some kind of say in what I do and then you, people can literally lose their minds over something, they, you know, somebody they see me talking to, a post I like, somebody they see a picture of me with, you know, or something. That's, all of that's out of line. All of that is stuff that's just nobody's business and people just need to get over it. But, you know, this is typical carnal stuff and we don't, we don't want to do that. So, uh, it is, because of social media, it's very easy for everyone to get into everybody's business and especially without knowing all the facts. You know, I, I don't know about, you know, cause it, somebody that I've known my whole life and I'm close to, you know, even, and, and I know some, there's some, there's guys I know that I've known for a long time. They are my friends and they are full-blown trendies now. 
I still go have dinner with them. I still care about them. I still do something, you know, if I could do something for them to help them, I would want to do it. But, you know, somebody online probably get their nose tweaked if they saw me hanging out with some NIV guy. Well, you know, you don't understand all the background that's there. You know what? You just need to deal with it. You just, you need to get over it. I'm not accountable to these people. Again, if you all in here are wondering, hey, what's pastor doing? But you know what? What ends up, what's funny is whenever a pastor is getting attacked by the online community because they don't like who he's hanging out with or what he's doing, it's never his church that has the problem. It's always the online world. Because, and why, is, why doesn't the church have a problem? You know why? Because they're actually close to the pastor and they actually know what's going on. The lynch mob hasn't got a clue. They're only getting partial information. They're letting some clown rile them up. And so they, they get out of line and do things that they shouldn't do. So uh, we got to watch out for these things. You know, when the preaching in the church all becomes centered around movements or events unrelated to your church, you're in too deep. Okay. I'm sorry, you're just you're in too deep. I shouldn't need I, I shouldn't feel the need to get up here. And if there's like a a split or a battle taking place in somebody's church, you know, because somebody's trying to spread some false doctrine, I shouldn't need to feel the need to straighten that church out in this pulpit when we're not having that problem. If anything, I'm probably just introducing new heresies to you, you know. But it, it's an easy thing to get caught up into. So. The last group we see are just groups based off secondary doctrines or standards. Okay, Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 6. Now, this is another thing we see all the time too. And people get all bent out of shape. Oh man, that pastor, you know, he broke fellowship with this other pastor because his wife wears pants. Isn't that a shame? I, I can't believe these people separating and causing division over something so petty. Well, why did they have a, uh, a unity formed? Around dress standards. We haven't been called to do that. Now, I do believe we've been called to, you know, God expects us to dress a certain way. But again, am I really going to form an organization based on dress standards? Wait, are you saying dress standards aren't important? I'm saying that organization shouldn't exist. That's an unnecessary union I'm trying to create that has nothing to do with our church. That goes beyond our church. It, it's it's not a union I should be having. So you, so you saying that you would you know fellowship with somebody whose wife doesn't dress a certain way? I'm saying that you know obviously if a guy's wife dresses terrible, I'm not going to have him come preach here. But at the end of the day, people don't have to have my dress standards to not be a heretic. I think they should have our dress standards. But if you think I'm going to go policing these people, you're crazy. And if I don't like what they're doing, I just won't have them come here. But that doesn't automatically equal bad guy. It's like some preachers go, I would never have brother so-and-so preach in my church. Well, I'm sure his career is ruined now. You know, I'm sure his life is ruined. Because that's the goal of just every preacher in the world, to get to preach behind your pulpit. That, that's what we think. And that's what we're going to punish people. I'm not inviting him to my camp meeting. He was a keynote speaker last year. He's not going to be there this year. Now, this is not a lot. look what it says in... in um, Galatians 6, 11 says, You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. Now these people were teaching you how to be circumcised to go to heaven. Okay, That was damnable heresy. That was wrong. But notice how the reason they were doing it is so they could glory in their flesh. In other words, say, look, these people are like us. These people are doing what we are doing. It was their way of glorying in their flesh. But he says right here, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And what we're seeing today is we've got pastors out there and, and different groups falling like I'm an independent, fundamental, premillennial, King James only, pre-tribulational, Israel loving, Trump supporting, you know, women in skirt wearing, all these different things. Things and they'll they'll say all these things too. What are they doing? They're they're pointing to themselves. Look at all these things I am. 
And that's what our group is. And if you ain't one of those things, you know what? You go find the skinny jean church down the road and you all go join up with them in their meeting. We ain't having none of that, that here. And they're telling that to a whole bunch of pastors as if you now are a part of this group with all these adjectives where we do all these things. We think all these things. And if you want to be one of us, you better look like this. Well, you know what? You should look the way you look because you believe that's what God wants you to do. It, how I feel, what I do, should have nothing to do with that. And we've got too many pastors today, they've got their wife in skirts, not because it's a conviction of theirs, or because they believe that's what God wants them to do. It's so they can stay a part of a group. That's why they still are preaching from a King James Bible. Not because they believe in it, but because they want to be a part of a group. And let me tell you, eventually, that group is going to split. You know why? Because we're not supposed to create these groups. We're not supposed to create the King James Bible group. Say what? You're saying the King James... We're not supposed to create these groups. Okay. Now, at Liberty Baptist Church, we aren't going to fellowship with somebody that's not King James only. I'm not going to invite somebody to come here to preach that's not King James only. But at the end of the day, you know, that's not me dividing because I never united with a group. I didn't unite with the All Bibles group. And I didn't unite with the King James only group. We're an independent church. These other groups are illegitimate. And as an independent church, we are just naturally going to fellowship with those that are more like us. And when it comes to the King James issue, you know, that's going to be one of the things that we're drawn to. I'm not drawn to fellowship with NIV people. I have no desire to do that, but at the end of the day, that's not me dividing because that if, if you if there was a group, it was never supposed to be made. God did not call for that. God did not ordain that. It's not right. And then last passage, look what it says in Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. You say, well, I think you're compromising. You're acting like these things aren't a big deal. Obviously, I think all the things that we stand for are a big deal. I think all the things that we preach are a big deal. In fact, I believe that whosoever will keep the least commandments and teach others also will be great in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever will not do those least commandments and teach others not to do will be least in the kingdom of heaven. I think they're all a big deal. But here, here's the thing. When it comes to what these other churches are doing, not my problem. It's not my problem. Look what it says in verse 1. Him that is weak in faith, receive you not to doubtful disputations. For he that believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. So, when it comes to another church that's not using the King James Bible, hey, God's going to deal with them. Not me. Not my problem. That other pastor out there whose wife's not wearing dresses like mine is, you know what? That's God's servant. Not my servant. I have no authority over them. I have no authority over any other church. And this is not me getting up here and saying that I am, you know, going to just unite with all, listen, I'm not even going to unite or form an alliance with all the people that are everything we are. I will just naturally fellowship with those as we see fit and as we feel like it. But I'm still not going to form an alliance with that group. I'm not going to make them sign a paper or sign some charter as we come up with our own group. I'm not going to do that. Okay. So, but at the same time too, you know, so that's me just letting God deal with these other churches that are off on a doctrine or whatever. That's not me uniting with them. And you know what? It's not me separating because you can't separate from something that you weren't a part of. And we've never been a part of these other groups. We've not been called to be a part of these other groups. And so, you know, with these trend, here's the problem with these trendies too that are calling for all this unity. And let me just say it, and I, and I hate to use a slippery slope fallacy here, but this is just a fact. They are all heading back to the mother church, the Catholic church. That's what they're all heading for. They're all be, they're, that's why they're calling for unity. They're just a few steps away from all reuniting with their mother church, the Catholic church. A lot of them are going more Protestant, 
joining these harlot churches, and they are. They're calling for everyone to go back to Mother Church. That's why they're calling for all that unity. Let's all get along again. Let's all connect ourselves back to our, our Mother Church. Listen, the Catholic Church, first off, it's not a legitimate church. It's a, it's an antichrist organization. It's, it's illegitimate. And even if you want to call all of those harlot churches out there legitimate churches, even if they were legitimate churches, and I don't believe they are, but even if they were, they're individual churches that we have not been called to be a part of. So, at the end of the day, you know what? God's going to deal with them. And we're going to keep doing what we do here at this church. And, you know, but a lot of people do. They want to form these groups. Because what, what often happens we, when we start creating these unnecessary unions is we start promoting ourselves. We start promoting our union like it's some popular trend. We act like it's right because everybody's going this way now. Every, you know, more and more people are waking up to this post-trib doctrine. We need more post-trib churches to unite. We need more people to jump on the bandwagon. Let me tell you something. That's a logical fallacy, right? The bandwagon fallacy is a logical fallacy. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's true. You want to know what's every bandwagon everybody's jumping on right now? Support Israel bandwagon. A lot more Baptist churches right now are saying let's support Israel than saying let's not. That doesn't prove they're right. And even if they do have a momentum and a movement and it's growing, it doesn't prove it's right. That doesn't that doesn't prove anything. So why would we market ourselves like that? That's not what we are. That's not what we've been called to do. When you got baptized, you got baptized into Jesus Christ. And when you join a church, you should be joining a church, not a movement. Okay? And our church always has, our church always will, fellowship with other churches. But let me tell you something about our church and who we fellowship with. Our group that we fellowship with, it will always be different from every other church out there. There will not be another pastor who has an identical group of friends. And if they do, we're probably a cult. <laughs> or we've joined the denomination at best. And that's not, that's not what we've been called to do. And so, uh, when, what's, what's happening today, a lot of these disputes are because of unnecessary unions that never should have been formed. And don't let the trendies tell you it's out of line. No, you know what it is? It's God fixing us. It's God getting things set right because of areas where we've gone wrong. And if we ever do something like that, where we're getting too united, getting too involved with a group, you know what God's going to do? God's going to divide it. Because it never should have been united in the first place. And that doesn't mean we're just going to sit out here. We're not you. We're not going to just not have anything to do. We're not just going to be some island. That's not what we're going to do. But we are going to go forward as we see fit without the fear and the concern of what other churches might think. And how it might affect a group. And we're especially not going to worry about the online lynch mobs. They are as irrelevant as you can get. And we're going to do what we believe is right. And so, with that, let's pray to your Lord. We thank you so much for your word. And I pray you'll help us to learn from this. And dear God, we do. We thank you for uh, other churches that are out there that are doing right. Ones that we're able to fellowship with and be friends with. And Lord... Uh, you know, I, I pray that you'll bless all those churches, but I pray you'll help us to always remember uh, what we've been called to do. We are an independent church. You are the head of our church, and I pray that we'll always keep you the focal point and we will not get distracted uh, with groups or movements and uh, making alliances that you have not called us to make, but we will uh, stay focused on the truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.